If you've got a Bible with you, I want you to go ahead and turn to Psalms 100. <clears throat> Psalms 100, we're going to read one verse there, and then we're going to flip over to the New Testament to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8. Psalms chapter 100. And then 1 Thessalonians 5, 8. I just want to talk about being thankful. Just want to talk about being thankful. It's a powerful thing. Being thankful is, is not a state of being in terms of saying, you know, I'm thankful in my heart. I'm grateful in my heart. That's not true thankfulness. That's not too, uh, true gratefulness or gratitude. True thankfulness, true gratitude has to be expressed. That's like love. Love within itself, love has to be expressed. Love is not a sentimental feeling or an emotion or lip service or things that we say. You know, we, we, we flippantly say or uh, uh, say just out of habit, I love you, I love you. You know what? Talk is cheap. True, genuine love has to be expressed. The Bible talked about the love of God. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, he says, for God demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. So, so there was a demonstration of that love. Just like love has to be demonstrated for it to be real, uh, gratitude and thankfulness and, and, and gratefulness, all those things, that ha they have to be expressed before they can become real. They're, they're a reality, not a state of being, not a sentimental feeling or emotion, not a mental acknowledgement, but an expression and, and I think everybody here would agree with me that the, the truth is we tend to take for granted a lot of very important things and people in our lives, and we don't show enough appreciation and love and, and thankfulness to the ones that God has given us in our family and, and in our close circle of friends. Amen? Psalms chapter 100, we're going to read one verse here. <clears throat> verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. And then verse 5 it says, For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. That speaks of going somewhere. You know, thanksgiving is necessary to enter into the presence of God. You know, we, we can... We can uh, have access to the presence of God, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're actually close to God. You know, you can't be close to God if you do not practice thankfulness. He says, we enter his gates. Now, this is an Old Testament picture. In the Old Testament, there was, uh, there was the tabernacle. And in the tabernacle, it, it represented Jesus Christ. And, and there were different aspects of the tabernacle. There was, there was the, the gate uh, that, that led to the outer court. And so he said, when you come into the, the, the tabernacle, or you're getting ready to enter into the tabernacle, he said, the first place you come to is the gate. And the only way you gain entrance into the gate is that you must spend some time thanking God for what he has done for you. Every time we pray, every day that we get up, every uh, uh, moment that... Uh, or day that we've been given, we ought to spend time thanking God versus giving him our list of things that we want him to do for us and things that we need him to move on our behalf. So he says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. That focuses on God's hand, okay? That focuses on what God has done. 
How many of you can thank God for something that he has done for you? How many of you are guilty for not thanking God enough for what he's done for you? So it's important to see that the power of thanksgiving. Then he says this, we enter his gates with thanksgiving. And then he says, you step through the gate and then you enter into his courts, plural. The outer court and the inner court with praise. So we have two words here, thanksgiving and praise. Both are necessary if we're going to enter into the presence of God and draw close to God. Now, thankfulness focuses on the hand of God and you spend time thanking God for what he has done for you. Then praise shifts our worship to God and it focuses not on God's hand, but it focuses on who God is. We thank God for what he's done. We praise God for who he is. And so as we enter into this thanksgiving and into into this praise, we're actually going somewhere. We're we're entering in through the gate. We enter into the outer court, then the inner court, and then we get to a place called the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies is the place where the, the, the Shekinah glory of God resided at that time. And that's where true worship takes place. So thanksgiving, praise, and worship are all absolutely necessary, powerful aspects of, of what it takes for us to enter into the presence of God. Now, the, the, the blood of Jesus has given us access to God, but if you're going to be near to God, you have to be a very thankful person. See, here's what I know about people being thankful. Thankful people never have to be told to worship God. I paused for an amen, but it didn't come. It's all right. Let me say that again just in case it's Mike. It's Mike on. Thankful people, grateful people never have to be reminded to worship. Because if my wife had to remind me to express my love for her, then evidently I don't love her as much as I say that I do. Are you with me? So let me ask you something. Are you a worshiper? Are you a thankful person? See, it's, it's easy f- to be, uh, be thankful in a moment of time when everything's going good, but to be consistently thankful and grateful through the duration of your life, day in, day out, instant in season, and out of season, is a totally different thing. And we're going to read another verse here in 1 Thessalonians that tells us how often we ought to be thankful, okay? 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, or I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse 18. Now listen to this. In everything... Give thanks. What do you give thanks for? In everything. The NIV says, in every circumstance, give thanks. And then it goes on to say something else. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. If you're searching for the will of God, if you're, if you're, if you're searching to discover what God's will is for your life, It's for you to learn how to be a thankful person. If we do not know how to be and maintain an attitude of gratitude where we are genuinely thankful to God each and every day, then we ain't got no business asking Him to show us what He wants us to do in the future. He said, if you work on your attitude of, of gratitude, and once you get that down, Pat, once you learn how to become a very thankful and grateful person, then we can talk about the other things on your list that you've got out here. And, and so, in everything, you know, he says, in every circumstance, give thanks, for this is God's will 
for ye. What's God's will for your life? To be a thankful person, to give thanks. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here and in your presence and among your people. I pray that you breathe upon your word today. I pray that you would fill this building with your presence. I pray that your people would, would be able to sense and acknowledge and recognize uh, Lord, your voice as you are speaking to us and that the Holy Spirit would, would just draw us closer to Jesus through the Word and, and by the Spirit that, Lord, that we'd be truly worshipful, grateful, thankful people and that we would understand the power of that and that, Lord, that we would walk in a sense of expressing our thankfulness and gratitude, and that, Lord, that that thankfulness and that gratitude and, and, and the way that we express it, that it would be an example to others to encourage them and to be a witness to those that don't know you. Father, I ask you to bless our time together these next few moments, and we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. One word, thankful. Thanksgiving obviously is coming up, but Thanksgiving is, is not a day that, that we celebrate. Yeah, we celebrate on that day, but, but true biblical Thanksgiving is not a day that we set apart to where we're, we, we express Thanksgiving to God, but Thanksgiving is actually a lifestyle that we're called to. Just like every one of us is called to evangelize. Just like all of us are called to be a disciple. Just like all of us are called to be in fellowship, we also are called to be thankful. It's a powerful thing for people to walk with an attitude of gratitude, to truly have a thankful heart, to truly have a grateful heart. And not just have a grateful heart, but express that. Now, the Bible tells us that, that gratitude or gratefulness or thanksgiving, that, it, that it's a calling. It's the will of God. It may seem radical. It may seem almost impossible to, to live in that kind of state, but if it wasn't possible, then the Bible wouldn't say it. And, and so when, when the Bible talks about gratitude, when the Bible talks about thankfulness, gratefulness, the way that it should express, he, he, he lays down the term. He said, this is the kind of thankfulness and gratitude and, and gratefulness that, that I'm looking for in my people. And he said, in all things, in everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for your life. How often are we to give thanks? How grateful should we be? We're supposed to give thanks in all things. Now, I want you to notice what that verse does not say. That verse does not say, give thanks for all things. We read through the Bible and, and, and we just assume that that's what the Bible is saying. You're thinking, how in the world can I be thankful or give thanks for some of the stuff that I've been through or some of the things that have happened to me or, or some of the suffering or some of the tragedy and, or, or, or some of all of the, 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 the things that are going on in the world? How can I actually be thankful and give thanks for those things? Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say, give thanks for all things. It says, give thanks in all things. There's a major difference. The, the NIV, as I said earlier, it says, give thanks 
in every and all circumstances. Now, this is God's will for you. We're not to give thanks for, for uh, when a tragedy happened. We're, we're not to be thankful when, when a child is molested. We're not to be thankful when a person is raped. We're, we're not to be thankful when somebody gets killed by a drunk driver. All those things happen, and they exist. We live in a fallen world, but the Bible doesn't say be thankful for for those things, it says, in all things, it says, give thanks. And what does that mean, to give thanks in all things? It means without exception. It means without exemption. It means without excuse. Regardless of what you're going through, you have to learn how to grow a grateful heart, a thankful heart, because there's no exemptions, no excuses, no exceptions. God expects us to be grateful in every circumstance. Now, I know that's a radical thought. I know that, it, that, that that is a radical statement, but it's in the Bible. Now, how do we do that? And, and, and what, does, what happens when we are living that kind of a lifestyle that we're truly thankful? There's a lot of people that are, that are searching for God's will for their life. There's a lot of people that, that are trying to discover what it is that God has called them to do. You know, people, they say things like, uh, sh should I go to college, or should I get married, or, or should I switch jobs, or, or should I become a missionary? And what God's saying to you, what God is saying to us is this. He said, if you will work on your attitude of gratitude, if you will work on your attitude of thankfulness, of gratefulness, if you learn how to become more thankful, learn how to become more grateful, more appreciative, more honoring, and once you get that down, Pat, we will look at those other things that you're talking about, to, uh, talking to me about, about your job, uh, about your wife, about your husband, about your job, about your calling. He said, if you don't have the right attitude, then there's no need to proceed any farther because if I give you what you ask for, it'll end up killing you. Now, there's a verse of Scripture that Paul uses to describe the, the, the difficulty of ministry. Again, I was reading it this morning. He, he, he was talking about, uh, as he was leaving the, 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 the Ephesian elders, he said, I do not know what awaits me except the Holy Spirit bears witness that chains and bonds uh, await me at every place that I preach the gospel. He said, but none of those things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, that I might finish my race with joy. And that's... that." I, 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 I want God to mark me with that verse. You know, I just don't want to finish. I don't want just to accomplish the will of God. I don't want to just endure. I don't want to hang on. I don't want to, to survive. I want to thrive. I want to be victorious. I want to do what God's called me to do. And then I want to finish what God's called me to do. But I don't just want to finish what God's called me to do. I want to finish that with joy. Now let me ask you a question. How many happy preachers can you think of right now? Why is it such a difficult thing? Because somewhere along the way, they lost their joy. Somewhere along the way, they got sheep bit. You know, sheep bite. 
And somewhere along the way, they, they experienced adversity, difficulty, conflict, whatever that may be. And listen, it's, there's no such thing as a problem-free life, but the Apostle Paul is teaching us the secret to a victorious life, and he says, giving thanks in all things. Learning how to give thanks in all things is extremely important for doing the will of God in your life. Because, listen, there's a lot of people that start out well, but very few that finish well. There's a lot of people. Paul said this to the church at Galatia. He said, you ran well. What hindered you? At one time, you were on fire. At one time, you were excited and passionate about Jesus. At one time, you were sincerely devoted. And somewhere along the way, you turned aside and followed another Jesus. You know how to point, you, do you know how to, to, to identify the difference between a real Jesus and a fake Jesus? A real Jesus has scars. And if the real Jesus has scars, his real followers will too. But scars are wounds that have been healed. Scabs are wounds that have not yet been healed. Some of you are walking around with scabs. Some of you are walking around with scars, but regardless of where you're at in your life, the key to getting through that season is learning how to be thankful. Because God's on the throne. We sung about it. It's one thing to, to theologically know if God is for me, who can be against me? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If God is for you know, it's one thing to give lip service to it. It's one thing to say, God, I give you everything. It's another thing when he takes it. But if God takes away everything that you feel like you have to have, would you still be thankful? Or what is your thankfulness dependent upon? And if that was taken away, would you remain thankful still? So he says, give thanks in all things. Now, let me ask you a question. If I were to ask the people who are closest to you, if you were a grateful person, what do you think they'd say? What if I were to ask them, is so-and-so, is so-and-so, are they a grateful person? If they told the truth, what do you think they'd say? So how do we give thanks? What, what happens when we learn how to give thanks in all circumstances? No matter what happens in our life. There's four things I want to give you really quickly. First thing is this. Is that when I give thanks, regardless of what's happening in my life, when I'm talking about when I'm expressing a thankful heart day in and day out, number one, it honors God. It honors God. We enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name for he is good. Being thankful is absolutely necessary for you to enter into the presence of God. Now, when I'm talking about the presence of God, I'm talking about being close to God. When you learn how to be thankful, it brings you closer to God. And here's the thing. You cannot be thankless six days a week and then come into the church on the seventh day and expect
maybe our lack of, 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 of true uh, presence and power of God on the level that we're searching for is a result of our lack of gratitude for what he's done. And maybe we need to remind ourselves of just how far God has brought us. Listen, the greatest tragedy in a Christian's life is for them to forget the condition their life was in before they met Jesus. Because listen, when we first meet Jesus, it's a wonderful thing, right? The sky's bluer, the grass is greener, everybody's happy, everybody's beautiful, everybody's wonderful. And then we get in church and we get caught up in a church culture. And the next thing we know, we've got the, a few Bible verses memorized. And now we sit in, 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 on the throne of judgment, criticizing and pointing at everybody else's flaws while ignoring our own blind spots. I don't know what happens, but, but we go from thankfulness and gratitude to criticism and accusation. It's very easy to become self-righteous once you've been in church for a little while. But being thankful honors God. Thanksgiving takes us through the gate into his courts. In other words, it takes you from one level to another level. If you want to get closer to God, then you have to raise your level of thankfulness because you can't even enter in the gate if you ain't a thankful person. You enter his gates with what? Talk to me. There's only one way to enter into the gate. You enter it with what? And you already told me that everybody here has something they can thank God for. Imagine if when your feet hit the ground in the morning, you started every day off thanking God for waking you up this morning. Thanking God that you're in good health. Thanking God that, that you had a bed to sleep in. Thanking God that you have a roof over your head. Thanking God that you have clothes on your back. Thanking God that you've got food in your stomach. Thanking God that your heart's still beating. Thanking God that, 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 you're, that you, you got air to breathe. Thanking God you have family to love. Thanking God that you're not in the hospital. Listen, I'd rather be in this church this morning than in the best hospital in America. I'm thankful to be here. And there's a lot of folks that used to be thankful to be here. Now it's a chore. Listen, if, you, if it's a chore for you to get up and come to church in the morning, it's probably because you're losing or have lost your thankfulness. So it's important that we guard that, that we keep that in our heart. Listen to this. A complaining tongue reveals an ungrateful heart. A complaining tongue reveals an ungrateful heart. Now doctors have medically proven that thankfulness is the greatest or the most healthy human emotion in our lives. They've, are, they've done a study on this. And, and they say thankfulness is the healthiest. It, it makes you healthier and happier when you're thankful. I mean, that's deeply profound, isn't it? But there's something that happens physically to you when you live from a place of gratefulness. There's something that happens mentally to you when you live from a place of gratefulness. There's something that happens to you emotionally when you live from a place of gratefulness. There's something that happens to you spiritually 
when you live from a place of gratefulness. Now, I'm not talking about superficial, shallow gratefulness, because you can ask some people, how you doing? And you know what? They can be miserable and say, blessed. God can read through pretense. You know, I, I say this all the time. You love Jesus, I'll let your face know it. If you love Jesus, it should show on your face. Amen, Donald. You're preaching good this morning. Everybody here ought to be smiling at me. If you love Jesus. So it honors God. It, 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 it's healthy. It's good for our health. It's good for our heart. So here's what I want to give you. I'm going to give you an assignment. I know everybody loves homework, right? I want to challenge you this week. Listen to me. Before you leave the house for work or school, think of ten things that you can thank God for before you get out of the bed. Think of ten things. And don't just think of them. Tell him about them. What do you thank God for? What are you truly thankful for? See, what you're thankful for is reveals what you really and truly value. And when you start your day off being thankful, it changes your attitude. Some people just need an attitude adjustment. Look at your neighbor and say, you need an attitude adjustment. Some of you husbands been dying to say that to your wife a long time. I know it. Go ahead. The preacher give you permission. Some people say, well, listen, you know what? I, I, I can't help it. I, 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 you know, I can't, I can't help it. I've always been this way. You know, it's, it's just my personality. No, you're hateful. You're mean. You're harsh. You're rude. <laughs> Brian cracking me up over here. But here, listen, when, before your feet hit the ground, think of ten things you can thank God for. And what happens in the first five minutes of your day, you've already adjusted your attitude in the way that it needs to be adjusted toward God in just simple things. If you really, if you can't think of them, go home and just write them down. I can give you at least 10 right quick if you don't have anything to thank God for. But I'm going to challenge you for the next week, every single day before your feet hit the ground, I want you to put your focus on God and thank Him for at least 10 things. I promise you, if you get 10 things out, there will be 10 more things pop into your mind and all of a sudden you're thinking, man, I am blessed. Man, this is a good day. Man, it's better than what I thought it was. It ain't as bad as what I thought. The good news is the bad news is wrong. I know what the scripture says. Weeping may endure for not, but joy comes in the morning. Listen, it may be going bad right now, but God's got the final word. He's the God of the turnaround and the comeback. And, and, and he, listen, he, he is with you. And that is an awesome, and when you can just, you know what, if God is with me, it doesn't matter what I have to go through. Because whether he brings me out or whether he brings me through, I'm going to come out and I'm going to come through. Sometimes, sometimes the only way out is through. But if I'm having to go through, if, you know, as one man said, if you're going through hell, don't stop. 
Because this is the reality. Either you're coming out of a trial, going into the trial, or in the middle of a trial. But it says, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. If you lose your joy, you lose your thankfulness, you lose your attitude, that trial will destroy you. Give thanks in all things. For this is the will of God. Some of you are looking for a way out of the trial you're in, and God is just trying to teach you how to be thankful. And the wonderful thing about the test God puts us through, we never really fail God's test. We just keep taking them over and over and over again until we pass. Sometimes you die in the desert, though. But that's not God's will for you. If you're going through something and you don't know your way out, I want to give you some really good advice right now. Start praising God right where you are. Start being thankful to God for what is going to happen but has yet to happen in your life. And just watch how, because here's what happens. James talks about this in James chapter 1. He talks, he doesn't even greet the brothers. You know, most of the epistles that Paul wrote, the apostles wrote, you know, they start up, greetings, my beloved brethren. But greetings from the love of God and the, and the fellowship of Jesus and the communion of the Holy Spirit. James just says, count it all joy when you go through trial. No warm greeting. No, I love you guys. No, you know, wonderful, you know, mushy-gushy words. He says, count it all joy when you find yourself going through various trials. He said, knowing that the trying of your faith works patience, and let patience have her perfect work, for after her work is accomplished, you will have full character ready for anything. So how, how, do, you, how do you thank God for a trial you're going through, knowing it's going to produce something beneficial in your life. Sometimes the greatest gifts God gives us is not what he does for us, but what he does in us. Sometimes the, the gift is what God does in our hearts, in our, in our lives, in our emotions, in our soul, then when he parts the water and we walk across on dry ground. Because you know what happened? You know, when, when he parted the water and the, the Red Sea and the, and the children of Israel crossed over on dry ground, you would think after seeing that kind of a miracle, they would never doubt God again. If you saw the Red Sea part and you walked across on dry, dry ground, would you ever doubt God again? Are you sure? That's a definite maybe. That's what you're saying. Three days over on the other side, on their way to the promised land. They said, I wish I was back in Egypt. Why? Because God had brought them out of Egypt, but he wasn't able to bring the Egypt out of them. And the wilderness was designed to do that. The wilderness would either bring out the best in them or the worst in them, but they decided what was coming out. Same's true for you. Trials are designed to bring out the best in you or the worst in you. 
But what determines that is the attitude you have and how you respond. James said, count it all joy when you're in a trial. Well, how in the world do you do that? And there's nobody enjoying going through a trial. It doesn't say enjoy the trial. He says, count it all joy when you're going through. Knowing that you're going to go through. He says, when you're in the trial, know it's going to produce something in your life. Listen, going through a trial is like a a woman uh, having a baby. When, when, when the contractions start to come, you know, it's the most excruciating pain that she's ever been through in her life. But what's worse than the pain is that she has to learn how to cooperate with that pain. Because if she doesn't cooperate with the pain, she puts her, herself and the child at risk. And so when they say push, and they say, and, and the mama goes, I can't push. He said, you got to push. And you know what happens? When they push, that baby comes, and guess what? They completely forget about all the pain they went through. No way. You can't forget how many of you ladies, you, 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 you've been through severe labor pain? Have you seen them videos on Facebook of the men that get hooked up to that stuff? And, you know, it's supposed to be some similar to the contraction a woman goes through in labor. You've seen that? That stuff is hilarious. Man, I'm never going to do it, but I mean, it, it, it's hilarious. But you can't experience pain on that level and ever forget it again. Because even with all of the the advanced technologies that we have, it still takes a woman getting on the verge of death to give birth to life. Now, she never forgets the pain, but when she looks looks at what the pain produces, it just doesn't matter anymore. I mean, that's a good word right there. You know what, you may be going through a painful season in your life, and you know what, maybe you went through decades of pain. Maybe your childhood was just trauma after trauma after trauma. I can promise you, if you allow God to work in your life, if you will cooperate with that pain, you won't forget it, you can't erase it, you, you, you can't go back and change it, but God will do something so incredible in your life that when you look back over that, it'll never define you again. I mean, there's some things that I've been through that I wouldn't take nothing for what come out of it, but I never want to go through them again. Anyways. But that's what God does. He, he, he brings us through this. So here's the second thing. Being thankful honors God. Number two, it creates fellowship. Now, what I mean by that, how does being thankful or grateful create fellowship? 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore comfort one another and edify one another just as, as also you are doing. If you want to get closer to a person, start expressing gratitude to that person. You want to get closer to your husband. You want to get closer to your wife. You want to get closer to your children. You want to get closer to your brothers and sisters in church. Start showing gratitude. Now, here's some practical ways. I'm going to encourage you to write things down. Listen, here's some practical ways on how you can express gratitude. You know what? Make a phone call. You know, you can pick up a phone and call them. Here's another thing. Send them a text. Just send them a text. Say, I'm thinking about you. Man, I appreciate you. You did a good job today. You know what? I'm so thankful God brought you into my life. Take you about 30 seconds to do it. 
But you're expressing gratitude. It creates fellowship. It builds relationships. Relationships don't just happen. Healthy relationships don't just happen. They are invested in. They are strategically built. And one of the best ways that you can build relationships is by expressing gratitude toward that person. You want to get closer to somebody? Let them know how much you love them, how much you appreciate them, how thankful you are for them to be in your life. And you know the people that are easiest to neglect? Those that we are the closest to. We can, you know what, we can run all over the world telling people how much you love them and ignore the very people that live in the same home. Boy, it's quiet up in here this morning for some thankful people. But I'm just saying, just take note. Send a text. Make a phone call. Send an email. Write a note. I love the note that, was it Isaiah that wrote it? Or was it Noah? Isaiah, I believe it was, that wrote the note for Pastor Appreciation. Isaiah, okay? You can, look, he wrote me a note for Pastor Appreciation. And you can tell that this dude put thought into it. And that touched my heart. And here's what he said. You want to hear? He said, I see you at the church all the time. I don't know what you're doing. I guess you're helping the church or somebody. Happy Pastor Appreciation. Now, he could have just signed... You know, in general terms, happy pastor appreciation. No, that dude took the time to think about what can I say to this guy right here to let him know that I appreciate him. And he put thought, listen, that's an honor. You get a seven-year-old, is he, what, he's seven? You get a seven-year-old to take the time to think about you. You're special. That's called Love. It's not about what he wrote. It was the thought he put into it. You don't have a clue what I do up here. I don't know what you do up here. I guess you're helping the church or something. <laughs> but thank you anyways. I laughed. Me and Rachel laughed. But it was great. But I said, this guy right here, I mean, but it, it touched me. Because here's the thing. A seven-year-old took the time to think about and put his thoughts down regardless of what's on there and say, you know what, this guy is my pastor and I'm going to write something to him, whatever that may be, to let him know I appreciate him. And I got that card at my house. But the more grateful you are for the people in your life, the closer you will grow relationally. So write a note, send a text, make a phone call, make a visit, say, you know what, I am grateful for you, but don't be vague like that. Don't speak in general. If you're going to show appreciation for somebody, be specific. What do you appreciate? Listen, Isaiah was specific. That's how I know he put thought into it. And if a seven-year-old can do that, guess who else can Boy, I'm helping you this morning, boys. So here's what I want you to do. I'm going to give you another assignment. I want to challenge you to be more intentional about expressing gratitude to the people in your life. Sometime during this week, I want you to send a text, email, call them, write them, whatever you want to do, whatever way of communication you want to do it, to those people that you need to express gratitude 
toward. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down some of their names right now because you'll forget by the time you leave. You know how I know that? Because I'm your pastor. I preach to you every Sunday. I know you don't remember nothing I say. Because I ask you. Next Sunday, I'm going to ask some. I'm going to call you guys up. I'm going to say, look, come up here. Tell me, what did I preach about last week? Can you tell me the, you know, the five people that you wrote down? I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Paul probably would, but, you know, I wouldn't do that. But, I mean, write down the names. Who do you need to do that? Listen, don't, don't just think it. If you think, here's the thing. A lot of people think a lot better about their intentions than they do with follow-up actions. But you know what? The road to hell is paved with good. And maybe that's why your relationship is hell, because you've never turned your, in, your intentions into actions. Woo! Here's the next thing. It develops my faith. I'm going to get you out here by 12. It honors God. It creates fellowship. Number three, it builds my faith. Being thankful builds my faith. Now, now how does being thankful or having gratitude develop my faith? It develops my faith when I learn how to be thankful during difficult times. Anybody can be thankful. Anybody can come in here, you know, skipping, hopping, jumping, you know, when everything's perfect in their life. But when you're going through a difficult time, that's when faith is truly tested. Can you have the right attitude when you're going through something that is extremely difficult or hurtful or, or challenging or conflicting or, 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 or you've been hurt or wounded, whatever that may be? You know, this is tested during tough times when things are out of control or falling apart, when, when prayers go unanswered. You know, the great psalmist Garth Brooks wrote a song once called Unanswered Prayers. You know that song? Sing it for me. <laughs> but but he, 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 in, in the song, he, he, he put these lyrics together and he says, he goes, uh, if, you're, if you're, how'd it go? How does it go? He says, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. And remember when you're talking to the man upstairs, and just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he don't care. Because some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Just because God is silent doesn't mean God is absent. Just because the answer hasn't come yet doesn't mean that it's not on the way. And when you can have an attitude of gratitude during difficult times, what happens is giving thanks is evidence of trust. I'm thanking you, Lord, that you know what? I know this is going to work out because your word says that you'll make a way when there seems to be no way. You said, when I go through the flood, you're with me. When I go through the fire, you are with me. I, I know that you're for me. I know, you, I've got a track record with you. You've brought me through a many, many battles. And Lord, I've come out victorious every time because you are on my side. Listen, you know, don't be concerned because you're in the middle of a conflict. Be concerned when there's an absence of a conflict. And if you're in the middle of a con conflict, it's just evidence that you've not yet been defeated. 
If you're in the middle of something right now, listen, you know, I always say it like this, you know, if, you know, if you're always running into the devil, it just shows you that you and him are not going in the same direction. Because if you're going to walk God's way and do things God's way, you're going to constantly be in conflict and running into the enemy everywhere you go because you know what? He's going to try to get you detoured one way or the other so that you end up going somewhere that God never intended for you to be. Give thanks in all things for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Don't get bitter. Don't get angry. Don't get resentful. Don't get hateful. Don't get mean. Don't get depressed. Don't get discouraged. Don't get overwhelmed. Don't let your emotions get control of you. Don't freak out. Hold it together. Give thanks in all things, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, that's not an easy thing to do, but it is a powerful statement of faith. But when you go through things and you have questions that are unanswered, and here's some things. If you live long enough, you're going to experience tragedy, heartbreak, to the point to where you're not going to understand. How many ever said to God, God, why did this have to happen? It's times when life doesn't make sense that you have to have a foundation based upon things that you can stand sure that they're true regardless of whether things change in your life or not. Now, here's some things that you never have to question, okay? This is in your outline. Number one, or A, you don't have to to question God's love for you. How do I know that's true? John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You never have to question God's love for you. No matter, no matter if you're forsaken, abandoned by the people that are closest to you, God loves you, and you know it's true because he said it. The second thing is this. You don't have to question God's character because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change. You know what? He may work the situation out in your life differently than what you were familiar with before, but you know what? He can do that because he's God and you're not. He's smarter than you. Do you know that? He knows the end from the beginning. Number three, or C, you don't have to question God's word. It says the grass withers and the flower fades, but his word endures forever. You don't have to question God's faithfulness, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. This is the ultimate test of faith. When you can be thankful when things are not turning out the way that you had hoped to them to turn out, you can still be thankful because you know that God is on your side, that God is with you. You know, people want to know, where's God at when I'm going through a difficult time? He's there. Where's God at? The Bible says God is a present help in time of... So if you want to know where God's at, God's always in trouble. God is always in trouble. God is a present help in time of trouble. So listen, if you're in the middle of of trouble right now, listen, you might be as close to God as you've ever been. But maybe there's a lesson that you need to learn. But here's what I know about tests. The teacher never talks while the test's going on. They're in the room, but they're not talking. The question is, can you handle the silence and not confuse that with absence? Because there are times in your life when God is, a- uh, is silent, but there's never a time when God is absent. 
So when you're going through tough times and things don't work out the way that you hoped, you can't focus on what you've lost. You have to focus on what is left. Because when God's all you've got, God's all you need. I'm finishing up with this and then come to music. Being thankful. It honors God. Number two, it creates fellowship. Number three, it builds my faith. Number four, it's a witness to unbelievers. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 2, he says, You are epistles written in our hearts, known and read by all men. In other words, he's saying, you know what? The way that you live your life is evidence of the work that God has done in your heart. Listen, when we're out here and we're in our community and we're at the grocery store or Walmart or at work or at school, you know what? You're a representative of Jesus. And the truth is, there's some folk that come to church that drive people away from Jesus, and then there's some folk in church that draw people to Jesus. Now, there's three things here that, that, that we need to look at really quickly that if we want to live a life that draws people to Jesus, this is what they need to see. Number one or A, they need to see our good works. Matthew 5, 6 says, Therefore let your light so shine among men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Good works will draw people to Jesus. Good works is a powerful witness to unbelievers. Here's another thing. You would think this would be obvious, but the next thing is, uh, the way that we're witnesses, by the way believers treat each other. Problem is, church folk are mean. We preach forgiveness, and forgiveness is a really good idea until you're the one that has to do the forgiving, right? The, the, the truth is, listen, some church hurts probably the worst hurt you'll probably ever experience in your life. And there's a lot of that stuff that goes on, and the devil works overtime to make sure that you are hurt and wounded by other believers because it's so devastating because you don't expect that to happen to you among people that you love. But you know what? A stranger could do something like that to you, and you would never give it a second thought. Sometimes the people that we have the highest expectation of are the ones that can hurt us the worst. But maybe it's not... The fact that people hurt us, that's really the problem. Maybe our expectation of people is what the problem is. You know, when I've been around the world, I found out people are people. And the best of men are men at best. There's no such thing as a perfect Christian or a perfect church. There was only one perfect Man, his name is Jesus Christ, and they crucified him. But we can be, the Bible says, this is how the world will know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. Here's the last thing. They'll know us by what comes out of our mouth. Now listen to this. Philippians 2, 14 and 15. Do all things without complaining and arguing. Can you believe that's in the Bible? That is ridiculous. Unacceptable. Unrealistic. 
impossible. That's the way we really look at it. Do what? All things. I wonder what all things mean. Just the things we prefer like. Do all things without complaining and arguing. Listen, that you might become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Listen, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Listen, the Bible says if you want to live a life that draws people to Jesus, he says, serve people, show your good works, let your light shine that the people will glorify your Father who is in heaven. He says, serve people. Love people. He says, be grateful. Be thankful. Be appreciative. Speak those things out of your mouth. Do everything without complaining and arguing. He said, if you live your life that way, without complaining and arguing, you will be so unusual in the world that unbelievers will think, wow, who are these people? If we just quit complaining and arguing, millions of people would come to Jesus. If church people would just stop complaining and just stop arguing and just stop being selfish and just stop being easily offended, if stop getting upset over small things, If they would not complain and argue, millions, millions of people would come to Jesus. Why? Because it would be so different, so unusual. You don't have to blend into the world to reach the world. You don't have to become like the world to reach the world. If you stop complaining and arguing, God's people, if they stop doing that, you would be so unusual and so weird to the world that they would want to come and discover what it is that makes you that way. I mean, I know that's deeply profound. We're looking for some major miracle and a lightning bolt to fall from the sky and the earthquake. But you know what? If we would just... I mean, thankfulness. It'd be an incredible witness to unbelievers. You can't be hateful and grateful at the same time. God says, if you learn to live your life without complaining, you'll be so unusual in the world that it'll be a witness to unbelievers. It'd draw people to Christ. It'd be a powerful witness. No complaining. No arguing. God's people are supposed to be known for love. Not our protest signs. Unfortunately, the church has been very good at stating what we are against. But we've done a horrible job of explaining what we're for. In our community and the communities around our nation, the church basically is looked down as hypocritical, judgmental, anti-homosexual, boring, 
If you don't believe me, just ask somebody who don't go to church. I mean, that's what we're known for. I mean, that's, that's our reputation in the world. No wonder people don't want Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that, that, that living a homosexual lifestyle is acceptable to God. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying living in sin is okay. I'm not saying any of that stuff at all. But if all we do is point our finger and criticize and judge and condemn people and we don't try to build a relationship with folks, you know what? They're still going to go to hell. Their blood will be on our hands. It's one thing to build a bridge. It's another thing to be the bridge. But if you're going to be a bridge, Matthew Barnett says you need to expect to get walked on. But are you going to live a life that draws people to Jesus or drives them away? Stand with me. Close your eyes. Bow your heads. If you're going through a difficult time right now, I know Thanksgiving is coming up and it's a very, very difficult time for some folks. Maybe you experienced some kind of loss. Whether it be a parent, grandparent, sibling, family member, loved one. And the holidays are just very, very difficult for you. Let me just encourage you this morning. Here's what you have to do. You've got to accept what is. Let go of what was. And have faith in what will be. Let me say that again. You have to accept what is you have to let go of what was and you have to have faith for what will be and don't forget in the midst of your pain about those that are left with you You can't focus on what you've lost. You have to focus on what is left. So make sure that you don't forget or don't take for granted what you have and don't take for granted who you have. Now listen to this. Because the things that you take for granted, someone else is praying for. So be thankful. Everybody's life is envied by somebody else. Your life is somebody else's dream. Think about that. Your life, somebody else's dream. Father, I I ask you this morning just to minister to those that are hurting during this holiday season. Those that have experienced loss, those that have experienced trauma, those that have just, they're going through the middle of a trial, Lord. Things have fallen apart. Relationships have been strained or damaged or or destroyed. Lord, I pray that 
you would meet them right where they are and let them know that, Lord, you are with them. And while they're there, I pray that you help them to become grateful for who they have and not just what they have. Because, Lord, when we have you, we have everything that we need. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and God is speaking to you and he's saying, you know what, today I want you to come and surrender your life to me. They're going to sing a song here.